afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port, right here on WDAY. Good afternoon, Atil. Good afternoon. <laughs> it is. You. It is Sorry. a good afternoon. It is. It's beautiful. It really, um, it really is. I mean, it's like this weather is uh, continuing to be beautiful. Oh. I, I and know. I'm stuck behind this board until five I tonight I have, I have, because Jay and Kyle get to go to the tap or the front room, front street tap room. Yeah. I, I Jay's Jay's idea of working on Friday sometimes don't sound a lot of like work, but well, uh, I guess that's just how he does it. It's work. It works for him. He's been doing it for a long time now. <laughs> it works for him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, it's so nice. Up here. I, I actually have, oh, I have windows open in the house today. Um, it was getting too hot in, in the house. I had to open windows in November. How weird is that? Oh, okay. 701-293-9000. If you want to join the program, 888-970-9329. Uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer going to be joining me a little bit later in the program. He posted on Twitter earlier this week uh, about the Dakota Access protest. He says it's North Dakota versus the world with lies from reporters and misinformation from outsiders. We'll talk with him about what he uh, what he means by that. As sort of echoing comments we heard yesterday. We had uh, Morton County Commissioner Cody Schultz on the program talking about, you know, when he was meeting with, with federal officials, he felt that, you know, a lot of their perception of what's going on here is, is colored through what they're getting from, like, social media, which, you know, frankly is not always very accurate. As a matter of fact, I had a post this morning about a rumor I, I woke up this morning and i had you know four or five facebook messages um you know probably about 15 15 to 20 emails uh people wondering that there was this this post going around that that there were law enforcement officials who had turned in their badges um and um because they were you know sort of in solidarity with the protesters they didn't like what was going on so they turned out in their badges uh i checked with uh, the spokeswoman for Morton County. Uh, I checked with the spokesman for the North Dakota Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Tom Iverson. Uh, I checked with the spokesman for the National Sheriff's Association, which has been coordinating uh, the the support coming from other states, uh, uh, other sheriff's departments and police departments in other states. Uh, and they all told me it was absolutely false. Uh, yet this Facebook post had, when I wrote about it, had nearly 25,000 shares, over 1,400 comments. Uh, and it's just, it's just, blatantly false just just wrong it's such a huge problem i i see it all the time on my facebook page because i have a lot of friends from other areas of the country who have started to take notice of the the dapple situation but because all of the information they get typically comes from social media all of it is so inaccurate and i'm constantly posting you know you don't live here i'm sorry but you literally have no idea what's actually going on and you know, it, it maybe it should give us pause because because we here in North Dakota are going through this. And I listen. I, I think you can recognize whether you like the pipeline, you don't like the pipeline. Uh, frankly, I I, th- I think even a lot of people who are against the pipeline are getting a little fed up with some of the wild claims and stuff that are flying around. It's it's not about whether or not you support the pipeline. It's just about uh, let's be fair in our portrayal of this and and you know make sure we recognize there's two sides and not every claim that gets posted to the internet is is accurate. Um, and I, frankly, I think it's a lesson probably for those of us when things happen in other parts of the world and we start seeing social media posts, you know, exercise some caution. It's, it's great that everybody gets their say on social media, but it's also the bad thing about social media is a lot of time idiots who just make things up, who are just trying to inflame the situation, 
who are trying to promote one agenda or another, you know, they make things up too. And it can be really hard if, if everybody's just clicking that share button indiscriminately. Uh, it's it's really hard to counteract that. And I, I think North Dakota's officials are going through that right now, and it's tough. Anyway, we'll talk with uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer about that. Also, we have our first celebrity sighting. I guess not our first celebrity sighting. In the Doug Burgum campaign, we had uh, Josh Demel. I, I guess, was got involved in that a little bit. But uh, TV's Dr. Fraser Crane endorsing Marzi's Law which um, was kind of out of the blue, I guess. Um, I think anybody familiar with actor Kelsey Grammer, who's, uh, whose work I've always enjoyed. I actually, I think he's a very good actor. Um, I thought he was great. He played that, uh, he played that mayor in, um, it was a Showtime series. It didn't last very long. I actually thought it was very good, though. He was the mayor of Chicago and sort of the head of a, like, very powerful head of a, of a political machine. And he gets uh, Lewy body syndrome, which is this very, very devastating um, condition. And he has to, like, hide it, and he's trying to, like, like manage this very violent, very powerful political ap- apparatus while not letting anybody know that he's sick, and he's sort of losing his mind. It's very good. He's a very good actor. Um, he talked about he's had a very tragic life. Uh, those videos, I was just on YouTube before the show uh, doing some stuff for a post up at sayanythingblog.com. And um, I, the uh, his his ad for Marzi's Law was sort of all over the place, and he talks about you know his his sister was murdered I think back in the in the late 1970s, uh, his father was actually murdered in in New Jersey I, I think in the late 1960s. Uh, he's had a lot of tragedy in his life, and you know he talks about what it was like to go through some of that and suggests that I, I guess Marzi's Law could maybe help with some of that. But I, what I guess what I'm wondering is. You know, his sister was murdered again in the late 70s in Colorado, and his father was murdered in the late 60s in New Jersey. And I'm wondering what those things have to do with the state of the law in North Dakota in 2016. That's exactly yeah. the point. Yeah. This whole Marcy's law thing worry. just gets under my skin. It does. I, it's, it's, it's a really, really bad idea. And it's, it's really unfortunate because I think people are expecting it to pass sort of based on on emotion and and sad stories and and now celebrity um and and lots and lots of money uh, you know I, I think it should give us pause when we think that it's funded entirely by one guy from California uh, I actually got a comment from sitting North Dakota Supreme Court Justice Dale Sandstrom he called it a hobby farm for an eccentric California billionaire and uh, you know I think that's right I, I think the idea of our initiated measure process, the idea of because it's really what what the initiated measure process is, it's citizens legislating at the ballot box, right? It's citizens writing the law, and then citizens putting it before their other citizens, and then everybody voting on it and legislating, right? That's really what it is. It's legislating at the ballot box, and on paper, it's a good thing until you realize that. You know, if, if you've got deep pockets, you can pay people to collect your signatures for you. And if you've got deep pockets, you could put an issue on the ballot and sort of flood the zone with a lot of, of very slick media and, and, and slick advertising. And, and you tap the right people to be your spokesman and, and tell sad, sad stories that, that are effective and, and touch people's emotions. I mean, I, I feel bad when I when I see some of the victims on in these television ads for for Marzi's law whether it's Kelsey Grammer whether it's some of the people from from North Dakota actually uh, you know they touch me I I feel bad about it but it doesn't make their policy right 
It doesn't make what they're supporting good public policy. And I, I really, I mean, I, I have come over the last few election cycles, and I used to be somebody I was involved in in several initiated measure campaigns. Um, I have come to be very distrustful of that process. Um, I I worry that it is it is far too open to anybody who's got deep enough pockets to buy their way onto the statewide ballot, and then support their measure with um, you know, with 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 a lot of money. Uh, especially because once we once we put it on, the legislature cannot change a lot of these uh, a lo- you know statutory changes. The legislature can't change it for seven years without a supermajority. And if they put it in the state constitution to get rid of it, it requires another vote of the people. Um, so very dangerous. We got a caller, Daryl, on the line. What's up, Daryl? Yeah, I'm just wondering. You know, are we the only state that doesn't have this Marcy's law, or why is this guy just starting North Dakota? I'll, I'll just hang up and listen. Yeah, well, there's a couple of states, um, California and Illinois, that have it. Although Illinois, I, I think they did it through the legislative process, and there were quite a few changes. California has it, um, and it was—I mean, it was—it was very bad. California parts of it were struck down by the Supreme Court. Uh, they had some stuff in there. I don't think those parts are in the North Dakota version of the law, though. Uh, and now, you know, he—he he sort of after I, I think finding success in a few states has launched what what they're calling the Marzi's Law for All. So if you go on social media or you go on the Internet, you can actually find that he's funding a lot of these campaigns in a lot of states. There's Marzi's Law for North Dakota. I believe there's Marzi's Law for South Dakota. I think Montana has a version of it. Um, several states. So it's it's not just North Dakota that he's targeting in. I, I think that and, and the, it's it's billionaire Henry Nicholas out of, out of uh, California. I think he made his money in, like, Cisco or something like that. He, you know, he obviously believes very strongly that this is good public policy for the whole country. And so he's trying to get it passed in a bunch of states, North Dakota included. And, you know, unfortunately for him, I think just about the entirety of North Dakota's legal community, whether it's the prosecutors, the defense attorneys, uh, the fraternal order of police, victims advocacy groups, they don't think it's a good idea. And frankly... I think they're the ones that we ought to be listening to. The people who are engaged in the criminal justice system every day, who work there professionally and who are from North Dakota and know the ins and outs of our current law, I think their voices should matter more than Kelsey Grammer or some celebrity or some billionaire from California. That's my two cents. 701-293-9000, We'll be right back. Don't go away. Listening to the Rob Report here on WDAY. Your call in number 701 293 9000 888 9329. We are uh, next week, Tuesday, it's over, Natil. We, uh, it's all done except for, I, I guess, the finger pointing and the recrimination that comes after every election. You see, you say it's all done, but. Uh... I'm not convinced that it's going to be all done. uh, You know, the only way, the only way this national election can end is it's going to be a 269-269 split in the Electoral College, and it's going to go to the House of Representatives. 
It is. That's, that's the only way that this could possibly go between but, these two idiots. But you know, in that case, then Clinton's going to win because the Republicans that are established don't want Trump to be the the president. They didn't want him to be the nominee. And then Trump's going to come out and be like, oh, well, it was all rigged against me the whole time. And then the election still won't be over. If it goes to the House, I bet you the Republicans would. I, I think the Republicans would ultimately choose Trump. You think so? I, th- I think I think they would, and I think the reason why is because if they didn't at that point, if they had to go on a record with the vote, and they would have to because the Republicans have a majority in the House of Representatives, if they went if they went on the record and chose Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump, it would be the end of the Republican Party, and I think to them that would be a bigger issue than Donald Trump is. I mean, as, as odious as I find Donald Trump, I'm not sure I'm in favor of decimating the vehicle for advancing or at least trying to advance a conservative point of view as a conservative i mean to me any more than than democrats probably would want to decimate their own party uh which which is the vehicle for for liberalism as as imperfect as they may find it at times and i i you know a part of hillary's problem is there's plenty of there's plenty of of disenchanted liberals out there too who just aren't are not are not enthused at all whether it was because they supported Bern, uh, Bernie Sanders or because Hillary's just not doing it for them um you know there's she's got plenty of problems of her own so i i would think if it went to the house and God, who knows if that, who knows if that would happen i think republicans would would pull the would pull the trigger for trump well and the sad thing for me here is that i i really feel like the only way that this is going to end on tuesday is if trump wins because if trump loses there is going to be so much, so much drama and vitriol and yeah. declaration of systematic uh, unfairness. That's not the word I want. Uh, but rigging just, or yeah, yeah rig- rigging and just the the system was working against him the whole time, and it it'll inflame the base of supporters that he has that are already inflamed further. You know what, what what Trump has said about you know whether or not he would accept it, he sort of hinted I guess that maybe he wouldn't accept the election results is not helpful. Uh, you know one thing that we could do to, to really I mean you you want to talk about how hurtful a lot of the inflamed rhetoric is uh, at, you know partisanship and all that stuff how hurtful that is. What's even more hurtful is undermining the idea that our elections don't matter that they don't truly reflect the will of the people. I mean if if you convince people of that. America's in it for a world of hurt because that is the that is the foundational that is the cornerstone upon which our our largely peaceful republic is built and if we destroy that uh, I don't know how we build it back again if if we fundamentally don't trust the institution so Donald Trump is is being completely irresponsible when he says stuff like that that said I think if he loses the election uh, you know he might he might say some things I I think he's going to go I I think what should give Democrats cause if if Hillary Clinton wins and I think she will. I hope that 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 she goes into office and 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 the Democrats, if Democrats pick up the Senate uh, as well, which they may, uh, I hope that they go into office humbled a little bit and maybe willing to understand what made a large faction of Americans so angry with the status quo that they were willing to support somebody like Donald Trump. I hope that there is an effort 
to understand that. I hope what we don't get is what we have gotten from President Obama, which is just sort of an I won attitude, and now I'm going to do whatever it takes to impose my will on the rest of you. We need more consensus government. We have got to figure out how we can govern together, because if we don't, it's just going to be more of the same. And, and Trump, believe me, is not the worst thing that could happen to this country. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Congressman Kevin Kramer on the program next. Don't go away. Report here on WDAY. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Earlier this week on Twitter, Congressman Kevin Kramer, he said, it's North Dakota versus the world in the DAPL protest, Dakota Access Pipeline protest. Uh, he continues with lies and reports and li- with lies from reporters and misinformation from outsiders. Uh, I welcome now to the program Congressman Kevin Kramer. Uh, Kevin, what what did you mean by that tweet? What what point were you making? There? Well, the, the, thanks, Robin. Thanks for having me. The, the point is, I, I've been on a couple of shows now. Uh, one is an NPR show uh, that originates out of Boston. Uh, another one is an NPR show that originates out of Los Angeles, and. The uh, and there are these reporters that are supposedly in North Dakota, and that that report prior to my coming on the show, these things that are just so they're factually wrong. For example, one of the the most common ones is that um, that there was absolutely no consultation with the tribes, and that that you know that all they're asking is for the the route to be changed and. And if, you know, if they'd have been consulted in the first place, maybe they wouldn't have picked this route. The, the other big, the other one that they throw around a lot is that this isn't the original route. That there was an original route north of Bismarck that um, was declined because the people of Bismarck were upset about it. And of course, there are multiple routes that are proposed, but this is the preferred route for obvious reasons. And I always have to go back and explain all that. But, but my the point of my tweet was when when you start out, when I start out as an advocate for law and order and an advocate for um, the legal process and and pr- frankly for um, pipelines to move oil uh, with with the basis the premise of the whole interview is built on this foundation that's fundamentally flawed because it's inaccurate and and, and what makes it worse is that it, this isn't just propaganda being pushed out by a political with a political agenda this is propaganda that's disguised as journalism that I find that very very frustrating. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. So, what can the state of North Dakota do about it? Well, I think we just have to keep doing what we are doing, and that is, we do we we look out for ourselves, look out for our state's interests, uh, you know, uphold the law, but but then speak out. I'll be honest. One of the things 
One of the great privileges, frankly, of having the job I have as the only member of the House of Representatives from North Dakota is I get to carry the North Dakota brand on a, on, on a national stage. I like doing that. I'm happy to do that. Um, you know, in some respects, from a from a sort of sporting standpoint, I don't even mind being the only person on a on a national radio show that's you know that actually uh, speaks up for our. our side of the issue. Um, and and I think most North Dakotans would do the same if given the opportunity. But I do think we have to stand up for ourselves. And I know it's hard to do that. Sometimes, uh, you know, people see what's going on and, and it's not that they're worried about being harassed. Or they might even be worried about, um, you know, being presumed to be a bigot or whatever the case might be. But one of the things I always say is just stick with the law and the facts. You know, race has nothing to do with any of this. Uh, you know, a reservation versus another small community, is, 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 it's not relevant whether it's a res- reservation or another small community. What's relevant are the facts in the case and the evidence that's in the record. And if you stick to those things, um, I think you can defend, you can defend, uh, you know, defend the state of North Dakota quite effectively. we got a caller, Mike. You're on with Congressman Kevin Kramer. Go ahead, Mike. I got two questions. The first one, wasn't there bones found already? And my second one is, we've already given them $159 million a year. Why don't they just move it north of Bismarck and around? I'll wait for your answer. Sure. So the first question was, weren't there bones found? I was actually on a walk looking at some cultural sites, um, and I stress this, outside of the work corridor. <laughs> and there was a, a bone fragment that was found, but it was it was of a large mammal, too large to be a human. They weren't human bones found. I would tell you, one of, one of the specific facts that I discuss when confronted with um, opposition about this is that the, the pipeline's actually been rerouted 91 different times in 91 different places based on you know the the identification of cultural resources and most of the time if if ever uh, those aren't human bones or or a gravesite but any type of a cultural cultural sensitive area there's a protocol both in state law and federal law for when you come upon something that is an avoidance or an exclusion area and uh, you identify it as such and you you go around it and the pipeline's done that 91 different times maybe 92 now um, uh, different times and, and that's that's the protocol um, so there, there is that. I, I don't know if there've ever been bones that the human remains, but nonetheless, if they there have, then they, then they you know they go around it or they mitigate it somehow. With regard to moving it, the reason this route is the preferred route is quite logical when you look at the record and as I have the applications. And I think there were like three or maybe more possible routes that they looked at. Every route that crosses the Missouri River crosses it um, upstream from. Cannonball. That's just you know that the river runs south, um, but this road was preferred because it's an existing energy corridor, and I stress that because it's so critical to the kind of kind of development we want as a state and as a country. Uh, there are eight pipelines that cross the Missouri River north of Cannonball already, uh, and and it's some place, not all of them, just north, but but at this particular route. The uh, the pipeline that crosses crosses at just within a few feet of the proposed uh, 
crossing of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Plus, there's this large transmission line that goes over. And, and those kinds of corridors are efficient. They're especially efficient from an environmental and a um, cultural resource standpoint. So, you know, you get an entire environmental impact study that's done on a particular area. Then the next environmental assessment doesn't have to be quite as rigorous because the land's already been surveyed and disturbed. So now th- this really is by far the best route. Plus, you, you, the other potential routes that they've looked at north impact many, many more cultural resources than this one would. Uh, there's a lot of wellheads, a lot of uh, avoidance areas, like you know, have to be within five or outside of 500 feet from an occupied residence, as an example. I think you know, it was. I- yeah, I, I, I think it was like dozens fewer water crossings. As oh well. yeah, I mean, many it was, more it fewer. Was, if, water if you look at the reasoning, yeah, yeah. So I, if if you look if you look at the uh, comparison, it's actually pretty well. I got some callers stacking up here, sure. so I want to make sure to get through them. Uh, Kay, you're first. Go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my Hi, call, Kay. Congressman Kramer. I I may have missed a little bit of what you said about the question of the human remains mm-hmm. because I was talking to the gal who answered the phone, but. Sure. Basically, are you not aware of what the Public Service Commissioner or the chairman of that was complaining about the other day, that Dakota Access Pipeline actually did find an unexpected find, what they thought might be human remains, but they claimed unlikely? It also had the stone arrangements that the tribe has been saying all along indicates where the burial sites are. And then they delayed telling anyone about it until the day that they had all the military force they could get from this country out there arresting people. Yeah. And I um, find that really appalling. Okay, let's well, let's let's really let's okay, let's let's let's. Well, hold on, hold on, Kay. hold on, Kay. Let us. Sure. First of all, there were no. Kay, we only have forces. so much time. Let's let's be factually accurate. There were no military forces. Second of all, um, what happened in that situation, as I understand it, is that that the company did ident- they did um, come upon a possible cultural resource. They did contact the State Historic Preservation Office. They did review it and determined it was very unlikely to be human remains, but even at that, they went around it. The more, more important thing is they did exactly what the law says to do and exactly what people are asking to do, and that is to avoid a potential cultural resource. So what they didn't do, is my understanding, is they didn't let the Public Service Commission know till later. But the Public Service Commission, although they, they issue the permit, the authority to, that governs archaeological finds is, of course, the State Historic Preservation Officer. And uh, so while that might have been an error to not inform the PSC right away, they did inform the expert, uh, the subject matter experts, and then avoided the area. Let's, let's go to Chad next. Chad, you're on with Congressman Kramer. Go ahead. Um, how do you feel about imminent domain and stuff and, like, what's going on in Iowa? Sure, sure. Hi, How farmers don't want the pipeline going through their land. And mm-hmm. A woman was even arrested because she was blocking pipeline workers from going on their own land. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Um, yeah, thanks for the call, Chad. Go ahead. You, you, fortunately, in North Dakota, we've not had... We've not used eminent domain on that, this pipeline that I'm aware of. And I, when I cited the original Keystone Pipeline, it went through 600 landowners' land uh, and nowhere near the Bakken. And by the way, there's no North Dakota oil in that pipeline, and all 600 landowners signed uh, voluntarily signed the easement. So we don't deal a lot with eminent domain in North Dakota just because we're more we're pretty reasonable landowners. We understand the value of, of transportation infrastructure and, and, and moving goods and products to um, to market with regard to Iowa, I'm not real f- super familiar with the area, but I will tell you, I think it is always in the best interest, not just of the company, but of uh, you know just being good neighbors to try to avoid eminent domain if at all.
impossible. Now, it may come to, from time to time that it's just difficult or if, if not impossible to do that with regard to infrastructure. The one thing that's a little interesting about pipelines, though, that I think is worthy of a distinction, Rob, and that is you know, pipelines are not public infrastructure. They're, they're not... Um, you know, they're not a highway that people drive on. Um, they are for private enterprise, and that's, that's why I think that eminent domain should be a very, very last resort in, uh, in this type of infrastructure. I, I can tell you I am very much in favor of, of pipelines generally, but right. using eminent domain for them gives me pause. It makes yeah. me feel deeply uncomfortable. So I, I think that is something valid worth talking about. Uh, you know what's interesting, though, one distinction, and now I'm, I don't mean to nerd out, but if you're talking about, say, a natural gas pipeline that's feeding a city that that becomes part of the city's, um, you know, sort of municipal structure, that, that's that's even a little different than, than what we're talking about here. This is strictly a, 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 an enterprise. Sure, fair yeah. enough. Uh, yeah. Dwayne, go ahead. Yes, um, if, if, if you are for pure water... Then, without a question, you are for pipelines yeah. because that's the safest way to transport oil. I mean, that's sure. common. That's uh, common knowledge. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the oil pipeline company should do a PR thing and just say, you know, do a thing, a, a friendly, educational type of a thing. A lot of the problems, I think, is quite frankly due to a lack of understanding and a lack of education. And to tell them, are you for pure oil? For pure water? Pardon me then you really need to have a pipeline. Sure. Uh, same thing with the sheriff, uh, the, the so-called unjust treatment of the natives. Uh, they should play a tape of Sheriff Laney the day before they went in. He all but begged them, please, please, all I'm asking you is to step back to your own land. Let's do this in a, in a civil manner, uh, perhaps a, a PR-type thing, educating the public where they have these uh, obviously distorted beliefs sure. of this evil North Dakota sheriff and et cetera. But yeah. if you could comment on that. Yeah, no, I think very good point. And he's right about the, the safety of a pipeline. Now, can you guarantee there'll never be a leak? Of course not. But but this is the newest, latest technology. It's double lined, 100 feet below the, the, uh, the bottom of the river. I mean, really, in fact, um, you know, science almost makes it would make it difficult, if not impossible, for the oil. If it did leak to come up a hundred feet, it's more likely to go down. But but all of that, even aside, I think the the issue of the water crossing and the proximity of it to Cannonball and to the tribes intake, and we know the rest of the story there that doesn't get told very often, and that is that that the intake that they're referencing is about to be retired and replaced by another one that's 71 miles away. But even with all of that, that issue itself has been greatly diluted by other forces whose concern is not water for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. It's it's an anti-oil, anti-fossil fuel, um, you know, anti-development, really, a political agenda. And that's what I grieve more than anything, is, is that, that the legitimate concern about the proximity of the pipeline to the water supply for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe has been, is barely on the radar anymore. It's, it's, you know, it's been diluted by all these, yeah. other, these other more extreme agendas. Kevin, i got to go to a break. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Pleasure's always mine. Thanks, Rob. That's Congressman Kevin Kramer. More to come straight ahead. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. We got about a minute left. I want to sneak Jim here quick before we're done. Go ahead, Jim. 
Hey, Rob, you know, really, this whole cultural site thing with the Native Americans just really irks me because you know what? What are we worried about some bones sitting out in the middle of the prairie that nobody even knows who they belong to because they didn't even have a written language to put a, a proper grave marker up. I mean, we're going to sit there and worry about the dead? Why don't we worry about the future and our people that live now, you know, instead of some old well, bones me, that me. nobody cares about? Well, I don't. I don't agree with you. I think if we find them, we should protect them. The problem, though, is is that we've had millions of people dying in North America for a long, long time. You dig any project in the ground, you might find some bones. We can't let that preclude infrastructure. But you know what? If we find them, we should protect them. That's what I think. Thanks for the call, Jim. Remember, you can catch me here, Rob Report, Monday through Friday, one to two p.m. Sayanythingblog.com, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. Thanks for listening.